Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, the show that offers you tips and strategies to help speakers build the business of their dreams. Now, here's your host, 30-year industry veteran and business coach, Jane Atkinson. Well, welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, where we are easing our way into the holidays. We're thinking about 2022 and the opportunities that we'll bring. And with that, I wanted to continue our conversation about being market specific. Now, today we're going to be talking about getting into the college space and the amazing Odell Bazell is here to walk us through it. Odell, welcome. I'm excited to be here, elated to be speaking with you, Jane, but also excited to be speaking to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast family. Well, you did something for our Wealthy Speaker School that blew my mind. And for those of you who are in the school and are listening, go and look for Odell's presentation that we did. I believe it's in the fire section of the school on uh, getting paid to speaking in the college market. It was so good. And I really want to cover some of that ground again today. For those of you who don't have interest in this market, stick with us because business is business. And I know there are going to be some nuggets that can apply here to other markets. And you're also going to be inspired by Odell's story. So let's start there. Let's start with your journey on how did you land where you've landed here today? Living the dream. Yeah. So speaking I as a youngster, I always wanted to be in business for myself. Mm-hmm. Just didn't know what that looked like. And I, you know, I sold candy in high school and I had a vending machine and I actually owned, had part ownership in a barbershop when I was in college and all of it kind of crashed and burned because I didn't know anything about business. I just yeah. met some cool people. I had some opportunities. I was popular in school. So people just kind of gravitated towards me. And I remember I was in college. My dad was actually with me. I did a presentation at a large university in North Carolina, where I'm from, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And I did a presentation. I was selling something like some kind of financial service product or something. And the VP of uh, finance at UNC Chapel Hill was like, yeah, we're not going to buy, but you were very good. So he was just, I want to encourage you. You were, you were very good. I'm like 19, 20 years old. All I heard was he didn't want to (laughs) buy. So that's all I heard. I was like, whatever. And so then I went through school. I majored in communication, graduated at the beginning of what you know, a lot of economists and historians are calling the Great Recession, mm-hmm. 2007, 2008. And I had no idea what I was going to do, Jane. I didn't know. I went to school to be on television, uh, to broad- broadcast journalism, and I didn't know. So I graduate. My public speaking professor, Dr. Pond, he asked me, like everybody asks college students, so what are you going to do next? Mm-hmm. Where are you going? And I said, I don't know. And he said, you should consider being a professional speaker. And at that time, I was I was like, what is that? (laughs) Um, I'd heard of Les Brown. I'd heard of Jim Rohn and all that stuff. But the way I looked at them was the way I looked at Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. It was just like, well, they're famous. Right. They're legends. Little people like me don't 
get, get paid to speak. Felt a long way away. Yeah, it, it just there's no way. And I'm not famous. I'm not rich. I'm, you know, I'm actually a mediocre student that barely got out of here. So um, <laughs> and he told me that most speakers aren't famous and all you need is a message and you need a market that will buy that message. Mm-hmm. And he said, just get really good, refining your skills. He sent me to Toastmasters and said, just get really good and then, you know, find your market. And so at 22, I did 33 non-paid speaking engagements between Toastmasters, volunteering at local nonprofits, church, all this stuff. I said, I want to speak. I did 33 non-paid engagements. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to get paid. The college market was just right there because my wife was still in school. I had just graduated. And so I would see speakers come and I'm like, well, they must be getting paid. I think I can do what they're doing. And so my first paid speech was February 18th, 2008 at Rockingham Community College. And I got paid a grand total of $600 uh, to speak. So that's kind of how we got here. I love it. I love it. And please, like, let's all just remember that $600 for an hour of your time is a lot of money, right? We kind of goof about that, but really $600 for an hour is a pretty good paycheck. So congratulations. That was in 2008. So I know you as the guru of the college space. I mean, you have, you have been there, done it, got the t-shirt. Did you intentionally say, look, I'm good here. I'm going to really go deep into this market. Was that a conscious choice of yours? Absolutely. And it started because as, and I know that you, did you teach your, your students and you talk about the podcast, it's a journey Mm -hmm. when you decide, Oh, I want to speak or I want to do this. It's normally not, okay, you did a good speech and now you got all these spinoffs and now you're just traveling the world. It didn't happen like that. I was 20. I just turned 23 after I did my first paid speech. Right. I was getting married May of that year. I was still living with my parents. And so $600 was a lot of money. I remember telling my mom when I was leaving, I was like, mom, you pay $600. You know, doctors don't get paid that much money in an hour. I'm going to be rich. I remember telling her that and she said to me, she said, yeah, slow down a little bit. Like, just you know, cool take, take some time. <laughs> don't quit your day job. Right. Like all that stuff. And so it took some time for me to figure out the market, figure mm-hmm. out the timing, figure out my message. It took time. So it wasn't until February of 2013 that I went full time and I was actually in it doing it. And so then that part, when I got into that, it was like, okay, yeah, that income not being there for my day job. Yeah, I felt it. Right. Like I felt, oh, oh, if I don't get a speech, I'm not going to be getting paid. So. I had to go through all those arcs and different things like that. And when I, I guess, figured it out, and I'm using air quotes for those listening, it wasn't until about 2017 where it was like, I got it. Like, I got it now. I can pretty much in this lane, in the college lane, I can pretty much predict 
boom, 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 boom here, boom, boom here, there. So then I got signed with uh, one of the biggest agencies in the space. And I had in the conversation, you know, based on your original question, do I want to go deeper Mm -hmm. or do I want to do what some of my other contemporaries and associates have done? Do I want to expand? Do I want to do all that stuff? And for me, I just thought for where I am right now in my personal life and all of that, what's familiar is cool right now for me. So I just went deeper. Uh, I started an association in the college market uh, with my business partner and a fellow speaker and mentor of mine, Stan Pearson. And so what we did was if I, if I went to corporate or I decided to put a lot of effort and energy into corporate, then I would be trying to go for, you know, bigger contracts, 10,000, 15,000, et cetera, et cetera. Or we could start our own association and basically be an entity that other speakers come to, we can help grow them. They pay us. And then the schools can pay us to be a part of the association. And we, so it was just kind of like, for me, I'll go deeper and make up in the revenue, what I might miss for a corporate speech, knowing that I get booked 40 times a year in the college space now without, and I'm not saying this to sound a certain way, but without much effort. It still right. takes effort. You know it's, it though. It's right. comfortable and you know it and you can do it and you can rinse and repeat it, right? Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I know that and I can depend on that. My family can depend on that. And then as we're building Namka up, right, then we can grow that and go different ways. Now we have this conversation in two years. <laughs> it might I might say, well, you know, I figured out this corporations (laughs) here in the tech space. They're looking like I might figure things out because we're always progressing. But right now, specifically, I'm I'm going deep and I want I want to be the I want to be the guy and the entity that people come up to that I was missing when I came up. Let's give a shout out to two things. Number one, NAMCA, N-A-M-C-A. What's the URL for that? Yep. Namcaweb.com. Namcaweb.com. N-A-M-C-A-Web.com. So we'll put that in the show notes. Was the organization that you signed on with, was that Campus Speak? That was for College for Life. College for Life. Okay. For College for Life. For those of you who are wanting to get into the space, there is a Campus Speak. There is a College for Life. Organizations who do book speakers into the college market. Now, let's talk a little bit. First, let's talk about fees. And then I want to break down who books what, because I think it's really, it's an interesting space that way. So what do you think is the top end of the fees? I have a number in my mind. I'm going to write it down. Tell me if you tell me what you think your number is that's at the top end of the college space. Yeah, the top end of the college space. And I just want to add context to this for one speech, not one contract. I just want to get that out there. Like one speech, you show up 45 minutes. I'm a keynoter Mm -hmm. by preference. So I prefer to keynote. Mm -hmm. I don't like to do a lot of trainings that are three, four hours long. Of course I do them. Right. But my keynote starts at 5,500. Okay. And so I am at the top for non-celebrity 
okay. type of people. So um, that's the pretty Taliban, uniform. and I, I wrote down 7,500 because I feel like that's kind of the window where it starts to close for you. Somewhere I've heard, and the, the reason I said 7,500 was because of Josh Shipp, yep. who is someone who is in that space. He's the one who gave me that other figure. Okay, so we kind of have the top end. And people starting out in the market, in the Wealthy Speaker 2.0, we've talked about 1,500 and you're in the game. That's just an arbitrary number, really. 600 and you're in the game, really. <laughs> Odell was in the game at 600. So I just want you to know that you start charging what you feel comfortable with, knowing that there's only you're only going to go up from there, right? So, okay, let's talk about the different kind of chunks of business that there are inside the college space. Break them down for me. Well, yeah, I want to first let everybody know that colleges are corporations that sell education. Mm -hmm. So some people, when they hear the fee, they hear 7,500, they hear 5,500 again. We're talking like one, like to come in one time to speak to one audience, boom, that's it. Mm -hmm. But there are multiple opportunities to do multiple different things. And I'm going to break down some of those things as we move forward. But okay. under like change the way you think about it. Colleges are institutions. They're companies. They're companies. So I wanted to add that because when you think of a company, you think of different departments Right. In the companies. Right. Colleges are the same way. And uh -huh. these departments that I'm going to lay out for everybody, they're the ones that I've been booked in the most. There are more, but these are the ones I've been booked in the most. As first of all, new student orientation. And that could be, you know, new student orientation or it could be called new student programs, anything with new students. Yeah. Then there's diversity, equity, inclusion. It could be multicultural affairs. It could be diverse. It could be called diversity, the Office of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion. There's that. Then okay. there's the Office of Student Life. And with Student Life, you basically have the same department. It might have different names. So it might be Student Life. It mm -hmm. might be Student Activities. It might be Student Leadership and Engagement. It might be something like that. But it's basically Student Life. Then you have residential life or housing and residential life. And those are the individuals that oversee students getting into dorms and, you know, making sure that they're matched with their roommates and, and yeah. all those different things. Then you've got fraternity and sorority life. Fraternity and sorority life is huge. It's out of all of the ones. I would say as far as the the size, meaning can you get a bigger fee? Can you get paid more? It's new student orientation. Then student life and fraternity life are kind of the same. So you're looking at a whole different pot of money mm -hmm. at, a, at a larger school, at a mid-major school or something like that. Then... There's SGA or Student Government Association. In some smaller schools, it's called Student Council or whatever. These are the leaders, the student leaders at a school 
that are like the president, the student class president, the senior class president, all these different people, they bring in people for their own purposes at many schools. Then there's athletics. Wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. <laughs> there's athletics. Okay. And, I, and I'll mention athletics. I'm going to go back through some of them to add some more context. Yeah, but more athletics is, is on the rise because normally what they would do, Jane, is they would bring somebody in to rah-rah the student athletes mm-hmm. or to teach them something specific like financial literacy or something Life like skills. that. Yes. A life, right. Life skills, interviewing mm-hmm. skills, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, the NCAA. They just released the rules. The, the rules. They, you can make money off of your name. They've unleashed the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so that created so, a whole new department. Yeah. NIL. For, so for those of you listening, NIL, name, image, likeness. So they're going to bring in speakers for that to teach them. Well, how do I use my name, image, and likeness? How do I turn this into a business? Or how do I do this? Entrepreneurship, et cetera, et cetera. Is and that then are you la- tempted by that? Because you know so much about these spaces already. Like, is this interesting to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I have a background a in sports. Role model for this. You've already got like a great following and this could be, that could be a really good, uh, deep dive into a deep dive sector for you. Yeah, I got some stuff on that. There's one more I I didn't share. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) There's one more. And I I just call it TRIO, T-R-I-O, TRIO. Mm -hmm. TRIO is a grant funded program that is connected in all 50 states to a college normally. Like 95% of, so if you work with TRIO, a college is going to pay you because they're connected. It's it's a government funded program. They give over a billion dollars with the B money for programming and for staffing. A billion with the B the government gives them every single year. And their whole purpose trio is to encourage students whose parents didn't go to college to go to college, to get advanced degrees. So all of those departments that I just listed, they have paid me multiple times. And if you're thinking about the college space or you're like, I think maybe I have a message for college students, mm-hmm. it would help for you to look at those departments. And I'll just give yes. a couple examples. I'm not going to go through all of them. Yes. But remember, colleges are corporations that yeah. sell education. The reason why new student orientation, I always put them first, is because the whole purpose of a college is to bring new students in. And it's a revolving door. And so you, Odell, get to go back every single year and do all of the new students. I mean, if you can figure out a product like toothpaste, which you have to use every single day, if you can be consumable like toothpaste, Odell, (laughs) (laughs) your new student orientation is gonna happen every single year and probably more than once a year, right? Because some of them have different start times. Is that right? Absolutely. So there you could do it in America normally, depending on what region you're going to go late August, early September when schools start, but also at the beginning of the semester in January, they have transition uh, or students that, you know, a transfer. They transfer from other schools, so they need smaller orientations. 
but they're still available there. And to Jane's point, having when you get a new student orientation, I remember a client telling me this because I had no idea. And I remember her telling me, she said, I'm going to get you into the orientation market. You don't do orientation speeches. I was like, honestly, didn't know that they had them. I did a leadership conference at a university. And then they said, oh, you'd be a great speaker for our new student orientation. I was like, "Okay, cool. That sounds good. And I get there, Jane, it's 3000 kids in the audience. And I'm like, Whoa. And they said, oh, oh, excuse me. We only want you to talk for 20 minutes now because we have to do this. And I'm like, OK, gosh, darn it. <laughs> Still getting paid the same. Right. I, I think I can make it work. And the thing about it is that gives you more opportunities to feed into those other departments because yes. other people are there. Those students are then going to move into different places and they're going to remember you and then they move into leadership and they'll remember you. And so you'll be able to follow a student around on their journey through student life, residence (laughs) into their fraternity and at athletics if they are one and then potentially even my goodness, I mean, into leadership positions. So really the opportunities are incredible at this level. So let's talk a little bit. Okay, so new student orientation, definitely put a star by that one because there's a rotating group of audience and you're gonna get a lot of opportunity there. What else should we put a star beside? You said student life, fraternity, sorority. Yep, put a star by those. What about trio? Definitely put a star by trio as and, long and as maybe athletics and NIL. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Let's those are the ones to look at. That if you start with just those five, I mean, that could be incredible. And I just want people to understand that there's a lot of space to go and play. Now, when you go in, I know at the lower education levels at middle school and high schools, a lot of times a school district will bring you in and you'll do several districts at once. And and they kind of really, they will use you as much as you're willing to be used. So is that the case when you go in to do a college event? Can you do multiple events in one, in one shot? Or is that less likely to happen at this level? You got to be intentional about it. Okay. And that's the biggest thing I've done tons of junior colleges or community colleges that have multiple campuses. Ah. And they're just like, I've been in Florida. Hey, come do all four of our campuses for this rate. I've been in Wisconsin, Texas, where they have multiple campuses connected. So you can do it. It's just, you have to be intentional and kind of seed the idea to them to let them know that that's possible. Because one thing I tell a lot of the people that come into my world through a variety of channels, through podcasts, through Clubhouse, through whatever, Mm -hmm. is I say the people that are booking you are not usually business minded people. Right. So you have to know that they probably wouldn't think of the idea. But if you give them the idea and they like you already, they'll at least entertain the idea. And so that that's the big thing, making it easy for them to pick you. And say, hey, Jane, I see that you have this event here. 
but you also have a sister campus over here. Right. Could I do, I would be open to doing mm-hmm. this. Like, and then you can talk about that with them, increase your fee and have, you know, take advantage of the time right. of you being in the area. Now, some of these groups will be student volunteers and will they evolve? Which ones of this list would be like a new student volunteer every time? And how do you find out this information? Are you calling someone in administration to ask those questions? See, that is a great question. I don't think anybody's actually ever asked me that question before. Really? We're, we're going deep today. I figure yeah. we might go all the way down the rabbit hole. For sure. So students are going to be in charge normally of SGA. Mm-hmm. That's and, student government. Yeah, student government. Normally, normally they have more say with the student life activities and fraternity and sorority life. Right. I but, would think they'd be volunteers. For but sure. usually it's a decision maker, a professional, a higher education professional that is giving them the, Directive. yeah, giving them the directions. Yeah. Like an administrator would be their counselor or their mentor to help them do their job if they are some sort of elected official, right? In a, right. In, in an association. Okay. All right. Well, this is for those of you listening in who are interested in this market. I hope that you have gotten some great ideas here. Let's talk a little bit about we mentioned DEI as a well, let's go there first. We mentioned DEI as a division. Let's also talk about it as a topic. So when you say DEI, there are areas of the organization whose focus is this. Explain it and then let's talk about topics for the various different situations. Yeah, so diversity, equity, inclusion has evolved even since I've been speaking. Mm-hmm. It's evolved a great deal. Probably and a lot in the last two years, right? Yeah, it's evolved a, a crazy amount. And so now it is more more on the subset of leadership. Because it used to be like this extracurricular thing. Would you say it was an afterthought, but they thought they needed it? Right. Yeah. Now it's, now they you got to do it. Priority. You have to do it. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to book people that have, and I, and I hope if you're listening or taking notes, this is a great time to take notes. They want something familiar with the unique perspective. Hmm. So it's not enough and when we're talking DEI specifically right now, it's not enough for you to say, oh, you everybody has, you know, biases. Everybody is, you know, they have their own prejudices or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to learn how to turn off your unconscious or turn on your unconscious bias or whatever. Mm-hmm. OK, we great. But can I get a little more like they're looking for? Can I get a little bit more how to do it in student life? It looks like this. Right. Right. It looks You're like this. And it, specific examples of microaggressions and stuff like that. You're getting right down to the nitty gritty and absolutely understand. So, OK, is this a topic that you go into at all in your own talk, in your own speaking? 
Yeah. And I'll give everybody just a quick example of how I do it. Okay. Because uh, for those of you not listening or not viewing me right now, I'm black. I identify as being a black man. And so people kind of make assumptions that, oh, you're black. So you're going to give us a diversity lesson on et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, nah, I don't I don't talk. And I tell people I'm not a diversity speaker. And I'll even go as far as for marketing purposes to say, I, in fact, I don't think the biggest problem we have is diversity. I think the biggest problem is communication. And so I talk about it from a communication lens because my whole tagline is I work with organizations that want their leaders to develop the communication skills necessary to thrive in a diverse workplace. Mm. So when I talk about it like that, it distinguishes me. It's like, oh, so he's not going to be the one that comes in here and talks about unconscious bias, microaggressions um, and all this stuff. He's going to talk about the best way to respond to it, react to it in a personal setting. Oh, okay. So then it's they can categorize me that way because they're still going to think I'm a diversity speaker, which is fine. They pay me (laughs) like that's fine. Whatever you think, that's cool. But Adding something familiar with a unique perspective, I think, is something that we could all do. So like you said, student life looks like this. If you're living with somebody differently, residence life, it looks like this. These are some things that we have to be able to do and work through. And so that's what I would add if somebody's looking to go there to, to focus on that. So you've even gone, you know, niched down in terms of that particular topic. You've gone down and said, it's not just DEI, it's communication is what I wrap it all out. And so you're a specialist within a specialty. And I really love that. And I think that that's what helps you be so hot. I mean, you are you are booking up a storm. Talk about during COVID, you were doing a lot of virtual work. I didn't know until you told me that there was a lot of virtual work going on for universities and colleges. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, it's colleges are trendy, right? They're trendy. They, they kind of pay attention to what's going around the world and, and then they kind of mirror that. So every and for history, I'm sure somebody's working on a book or a book's already been released in the speaker world talking about, you know, March, whatever it was. For me, it was March 13th. I was actually speaking at Idaho, in Idaho for the first time. I was like, oh, I'm in Idaho for the first time at a student leadership conference. Yes. I was supposed to, I was supposed to do two sessions and they said my second session, I had to move it up. So I didn't get a break because they were ending the conference early due to, to COVID. Wrap it up quick. And so I was like, Cool. That, hey, I, that's fine with me. And then I'm on the plane ride home and my agent's like, hey, man, this got canceled. And I'm like, all right, yeah, it's whatever. But then that kept happening over and over and over again. So for about two weeks and I tell everybody this, I was a little bit worried <laughs> for about two weeks because I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on? I got all of these events knocked off the calendar and we don't know what's next. We have no idea what's next. And so what I did, and this is this is a lesson to everybody for the people that had hired me. I just reached out to them to say, hey, I hope you're good. Hope you got your toilet paper, whatever, like whatever it was at the time. I was like, I just reached out 
And they responded and said, so what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. And I said, I am waiting for the good news that things are opening back up. And one of my clients said, do you do virtual? And I'm like, of course I do virtual. (laughs) What do you mean? And and that's that's kind of how it happened. That's really kind of how it happened. It was kind of like, do you do virtual? And then I was like, yes, I do do virtual. Yeah, let's do some virtual stuff. And then, Jane, what continued to happen for about the next year is that more and more people got on my calendar to do virtual. And in like one span, I had like 23 paid talks in like five weeks. Like it was, it was ridiculous. I'm in my grandma's basement. That's where my office is. Yeah. I was here all the time doing paid work and it was great, but it set a precedent also. And I, so I wanted to share all of that just to say it set a precedent for the virtual piece being valuable too. Cause I think a lot of times the speakers that are a little more seasoned than me that, Oh, the virtual thing is going to pass. Oh, I don't need to do that. I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about you. <laughs> but they're I like, think oh. People who want for it to pass. Right. right? That's what it's wishful thinking. I just wrote an article about, you know, what's coming next. We have a new variant. We have some stuff on the horizon. What's coming next? And the good news is there's opportunity out there. And Odell just spelled it out for you. And that is that you can do multiple things in one day. What's the most virtual events you've done in one day? Three. 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 I don't know how you do it because it is. It's a lot of energy coming through the lens. And I'm yeah. impressed when somebody can do three in one day. It is. Is there and and I'll say this really quick before you go to the next point. As a speaker, as somebody that's been doing this for you know over a decade, I prefer in person mm-hmm. from the speaker standpoint, from the deliverance, from the performance aspect. Yes. But from a business side of it. Yeah. It's kind of a no-brainer. What about family? Like from oh. a family <laughs> side. I just had a whole conversation about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that no, but I'm so I'm married for those. I'm married. I have uh three younger kids, a 12-year-old, eight-year-old, and a five-year-old. And if you're doing this business and you're good at it, you're traveling a lot. So this last year has been great for me because I've been able to come home every night for the most part. And now things are kind of ramping back up a little bit and I'm looking at the business aspect of it. And that's another reason why for those listening, you want to make sure that you can like focus your energy. That's why I love when, when Jane says, Hey, pick your lane, like pick that lane, dominate, don't dabble, dominate on that lane. And then when you have more money, we have more opportunities. You can say, you can tip your toe in this Mm -hmm. pool. Or this puddle, you can figure it out. But I mean, we're all just figuring out how we can best serve, but also maximize our income and our impact. Yeah, love that. All right. uh, Final question here. Let's talk about the kinds of topics that you think are. Now, I don't want anybody to think that we're suggesting go and do that topic. I want you to go and do the topic that you're great at and just take this into account and say, oh, is there a way for me to adjust slightly? 
You know, when people ask me what topics are hot with the intent that I'll speak on that, there's a misalignment there that may not be your expertise. So we want you to do what's at the core of your expertise. What would you say is hot right now? We've talked DEI already. We know that one's hot. What else? As far as topics go, I kind of have a list of topics that are always going to get booked at colleges. So anything that has to do with leadership is going to get booked. We've already talked about diversity, equity, inclusion, Mm -hmm. just general motivation. And for the new student orientation group, for the trio group, general motivation still sells. There's productivity that sells in the college space because you could kind of lump that into time management, you know, positive study habits, different things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have student success because, again, they want their students to be successful. So if you can add like something goal setting and stuff like that, that right. will allow them to because, you know, there's a lot of things that I think we take for granted that we do mm-hmm. every day that a student, a young mind I mean, Les Brown was the one who fed it to me. What? Read a book, make my car the university on wheels. None of that had even dawned on me at 25 years old. It didn't even occur to me to do those things. So all of these life skills are really helpful for these young minds. Absolutely. And I've, like, I learned from younger people, too. I'm 36 as of we're recording this. So there's a group of guys, they're in their early thirties and they, they hit me with this quote, which is along the lines of what you just talking about, what entertains you, trains you. Mm. And I share that at the audiences that I go to and they're like, Oh my gosh, he's right. Like that. <laughs> it's <laughs> like their minds blow up. But if I told them who the quote came from, they wouldn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. And so you have an opportunity, like you said, Jane, like, you can implant stuff in their minds that we take for granted that we're like, well, I have to align my life. I have to do this mental health, mental wellness, mindfulness. That's something else that I'll gets booked that's all a hot the time. topic right now. Mental health, right? Absolutely. Hmm. Relationships, positive, healthy relationships, because there's sexual abuse that happens on college campuses. There's a lot of these things, financial literacy, and also your physical health and wellness. So all of these things are things that colleges are looking to bring to the forefront so that they can build the students up and they can teach them. And here's something else I want to add really quick. If you're like me, who actually did stuff backwards a little bit, I wrote a bunch of books before I really got into speaking because I like writing. And I wrote a bunch of books based on the stuff that I wish I would have known in college. Didn't even, there was no marketing like genius behind it. I was just like, I wish I would have known about this. I wish I would have known about that. You can sell a series to colleges and say, Hey, I have a financial literacy book. I have a book on motivation, grit, resilience. I have a book also on student success. So I could come in, speak three times a year to this group for the very low value fee (laughs) at this. And so then, and that's where in negotiations, That's where I start. I start there and say, well, hey, if you want me to do multiple things, you want me to do this, it's Mm going to be 15K. It's going to be 17K, depending on what it is. And then they usually walk me down to the, oh, just come in and do one. It's like, yeah, okay. We can do that. (laughs) 
I love it. I love it. I love talking to you, Odell. I miss you on Clubhouse. Odell and I met on Clubhouse. So there were, you know, even though I've decided to kind of step back a little bit and maybe pay a little bit more attention to LinkedIn Live, I love that I met you and Stan and Dr. Josh. And I mean, I just feel so lucky to have been exposed to all of the cool people in your world. And I was very happy for the Wednesday mornings that we did spend together over the course of well, maybe about six months or a year. It was really fun. Well, I appreciate you. And as always, I tell you, you're a legend. I was reading your book when I was working, grinding away at the jail. And so this is a full circle moment for me. I remember listening to your podcast. You were a part of my university, my, my mobile university listening to the podcast, trying to figure out this whole speaking thing. So I just wanted to say that if you're listening, if you're in James world, stay in James world, it's better for you in James world. Um, listen to everything she's saying and you'll be able to do really great things in the speaking business. Well, listen, we have some crossover people because the NAM, let's talk about NAMCA and what it is that you do for people. Not only do you help them understand the college space, but you also do introductions. And I think that that is pretty darn cool. So tell everybody a little bit more about NAMCA. Yeah, NAMCA. So NAMCA stands for the National Association of Masterminds and Co-Curricular Advancement. Mm -hmm. And so what we do on one side is we bring all the higher ed professionals from all the departments that plan co-curricular events. That's key co-curricular event, that's the event that's going to pay you. That's aside from the major academic curriculum. So we congregate, assemble all of those individuals, give them unique professional development. We teach them how to use their skills in education, how to use their expertise to make money. And then in all of that, we just simply ask them, are you looking to book speakers? And a few times a year, we have our showcases um, we've all done it virtual, but we're going live in 2022. So depending on when you're listening to this, we might be, you know, having our first live event, NAMCA. But a lot of associations, Jane, will give you an audience and say, hey, get up there and go speak. All right. Go showcase. We just take it a step further where it's like, hey, get up there and go speak. Let's get your footage. Let's get all this stuff. But hey, let's go in a little room and meet all the people. Yes. That have raised their hands and said, yeah, I think I'm looking for a speaker. Mm -hmm. Then I can say, hey, Jane, meet Stan. Stan works at Missouri College and he's looking for a speaker on ba 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 ba. Y'all talk. And what we do there is because Stan and I have been in the college game so long, we have hundreds of clients that we worked with and we're just able to make the introductions easier. You're providing a service for them. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I love it. I love it. I think that is terrific. So we're going to put namcaweb.com. Is that right? In the yep. show notes. We'll make sure we put that there and uh, people should reach out to you. It's not a ton of money to join you in your organization. And I think it's a really good investment if you're thinking about the college space. We have people who come to us in the Wealthy Speaker School we just put out a notice to some people, hey, there's someone looking to hire uh, four trainers for the following states. And so I love when people come to us and say, hey, you know, who's hot in these fields? We need some speakers and we love matchmaking and we don't take any money for it. <laughs> so 
Odell Bazal, it has been so great to talk to you, my friend. I've missed you, and I hope that we get to catch up again soon. And appreciate you being on the show today. Anything else that we need to share with people about you before we sign off here? I'm about me. No, I think everything that about me has been said. uh, Where would you like them to connect with you on social media? Maybe best way to connect with me is on Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm the most active on those two. And Odell Bazil on Instagram. Odell Bazil. O-D-E-L-L-B-I-Z-Z-E-L-L. I'm the only Odell Bazil on social media. Are you? Come on. I really am. Odell Bazell on there. So, and that is my real name, everybody. Uh, It's my real name. I didn't make it up or anything like that. The second. Oh, the second. Yeah, I'm the second. I'm the second. My eyes are a little blurry. So, I was actually reading your Zoom uh, name there and I saw (laughs) I put a third one underneath. Okay. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Appreciate you. And for those of you tuning in, hey, let us know. Was there some gold in there for you? Let us know. Leave us a feedback, a review. Send me an email, jane at speakerlauncher.com. I would love to hear from you. And with that, we will say, see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. If you need help building the speaking business of your dreams, head over to WealthySpeakerSchool.com and take advantage of our 20-minute next-step call. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.